Hey, hey, I'm Chris Bradley, and with over 10 years of experience in the music business, I went from struggling singer-songwriter to a six-figure producer with credits including Sony, Miramax, Lincoln, Warner Chapel PM, Rolling Stone Magazine, and USA Network. And this is the Produce Like a Boss podcast, where we discuss the business, mindset, and strategies it takes to go pro as a musician and songwriter by developing and mastering the skill of music production. If you'd like to learn how to produce, please visit our website at producelikeaboss.com slash workwithme for a plethora of free resources and tutorials to help you learn how to start producing your own music today. This is the Produce Like a Boss podcast. Really quick, before we jump into the show, I just want to take a second and thank our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Slate Digital and the All Access Pass. So many people ask me what's in my tool belt and what are some of the third-party plugins that I go crazy for, and I don't skip a beat. When I say Slate Digital All Access Pass is the cat's pajamas when it comes to producer tools. Now, with this pass, you're going to get access to over $5,000 worth of pro plugins since pro demo sessions in hip-hop, rock, and EDM, and amazing step-by-step walkthroughs with pro producers, easy-to-follow tutorials, and custom samples. And not only that, a lot of their software is modeled off of vintage analog gear that gives your track that pro polish and shine. So head over to producelikeaboss.com slash slate digital and get your first six months for only $9.99 a month. Hey there, friend. Listen, before we get into the episode today, we have a new feature that I'd love to invite you to be a part of. If you visit producelikeaboss.com slash podcast, there is now an option where you can click to send me an audio file. That means you can send me a question. That means you can send me a comment and I may even select it to be live on the show. How freaking cool is that? Also, please don't hesitate to leave us a review. If you are sponging what I'm spilling over here on the P-Lab podcast, podcast, please head over to Apple iTunes and leave a five-star review. This helps us to reach more people. And of course, please send us a screenshot to support at producelikeaboss.com, letting us know you left your review and you will be entered automatically to win a one-on-one business consultation with me. This is where we can go over your music. We can go over your website, whatever you like, boo. Speaking of five-star reviews, I want to take a second and read this one from M. Gugino. It says, I am so thankful for you and your desire to teach all of us. I've been taking your From Voice Memo to Demo class and I'm loving it. It also says Best Teacher Award. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Without any further ado, let's jump into the episode. Do it like a, like a, like a boss. Like a, like a boss. Do it like a, like a, like a boss. Like a boss. Hey, hey, okay, I am so excited to have today's guest on this podcast. Um, Adam Ivey is a music producer, brand strategist, professional YouTube YouTuber, award-winning creative marketing specialist, and the founder of Cell Music Academy. Adam has shaken up the industry with his no-nonsense approach to marketing education for music creators, utilizing YouTube to provide free educational content for those looking to get started with music marketing and brand development. Adam has amassed a dedicated following of over 240,000 subscribers with videos surpassing 13 million views. Also, uh, Adam has founded the company Cell Music Academy Incorporated, where he offers a variety of advanced music marketing courses like Cell Music Masterclass and Market Your Music Accelerator Coaching Program. Welcome to the show, Adam. I appreciate you having me. It is uh, good to be here. And uh, thank you so much for the intro. That was uh, pretty pretty epic, even though I, I kind of wrote it. So um, 
<laughs> no, I, I, uh, no, it's it's a pleasure being here. You know, you and I have connected a very long time ago uh, and become you know quick friends. I love what you're doing for your community, and I think my community is going to just be smitten with what you're offering and in, in, in this conversation. So, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Um, I gotta say, I've been a big fan of your YouTube channel and your Instagram for a couple years now, probably going on a few years, and. Your content is so valuable. You know, there's no fluff. It's educational and it and it's freaking funny. Like I literally belly laugh out loud just watching some of your posts. So it's I'm just so pumped to have you on the show today. No, it's it's gonna be a good time. So let's uh let's let's make sure we don't we don't fail. <laughs> let's when do it. it. To, we need to have a lot of fun. Now you just <laughs> set set the bar higher, the fun bar has been set. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, let's start, you know, let's start with a good origin story. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your journey? I think you you started off as a, a rapper, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know you were going to bring that up. I, uh, I will talk to you later. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I started making music in 2005. Um, seriously, in 2006, that's when I could actually afford a license for, you know, back in the day, it was Reason 2.5. I had been working in uh, Fruity Loops. I forgot what, like Fruity Loops, Fruity Loops 4, a demo version that I would then record into Cool Edit Pro through a mic jack back into it. So it was, anyway, um, I started as a rapper, learned very quickly that it didn't feel genuine to me. I, even though you can write, even though it's fun, I'm like, there's no way in hell that I'm going to do this as a career, um, which I relate, you know, later revisited with some parody music that I, I came out with just having fun, um, like 10 years ago now, but music production started more seriously in 2006, uh, went full time with that between 2009 and 2010, um, got into the corporate marketing world through one of those parody videos. People were, you know, chomping at the bit, I suppose, to bring me in as the idea guy, the viral video guy, even though in reality at that moment, I didn't really know what I was doing. And a lot of it was, was luck, but learned corporate marketing, learned, you know, everything from email marketing to copywriting to uh, marketing systems, funnels, all that good stuff. Uh, 10 year career in the corporate realm while still doing music and injecting everything I was learning from the corporate side into my music career. Cause not so much now, but back in the day, I was a worry wart. I was selling beats online, writing music and hooks and stuff like that, and working 18 to 20 hour days. Essentially, I would work until I couldn't stay awake anymore. I'd go to sleep and then do it all over again, thinking that uh, the next day or the next month was going to be when I failed, when people would realize I was a failure. And so no matter how much money I was making, I didn't feel comfortable um, giving myself kind of like office hours. And it became very taxing. Um, I thought about quitting a few times and uh, the corporate thing really kind of saved my life with the music stuff because I learned how to organize my life. I learned that, hey, even though you have a bad month, if you you know brace for winter, as they say, you're going to be just fine financially as long as you don't overextend yourself. And now here we are uh, 15 plus years later, helping thousands of people around the world, which all that kind of happened by accident as well due to a hearing loss back in 2016. I thought I wasn't going to be able to make music anymore. So I started doing these how-to videos on YouTube. I'm like, F it. If I can't do it, I'm going to teach everybody else what I was doing and, and hopefully help somebody. And, you know, that's turned into a, a million-dollar education business on top of still doing music, on top of owning a platform for producers and beat makers. My people, 
thecharts.com is, is that platform, as well as a couple other investments and businesses outside of the music realm um, that I'd be happy to talk to you guys about uh, if you DM me or, or we can work that into another conversation for another time. <laughs> I love that. And that, that explains so much because I'm like, man, like, where does this guy get like his like the, the word that comes to mind is like professionalism, like you're just so like well spoken and like concise. Your training is so clear. And it, it's so nice to see that perfect blend of that corporate world being brought back into the music. And it just becomes this one and, and explains so much with how, um, you know, how your success and your businesses have taken off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the corporate side, you definitely have to march by the beat of a different drum have yeah. to be professional. You have to know how to communicate more than anything else. When you're managing a team of 30, 40 people, you need to be very intentional with what you're delegating, your thoughts, your ideas, and how those things are going to be implemented. So, I mean, some of these marketing contracts can be very lucrative working remotely for three months at a time. Yeah. But if you're not good at what you do, you're never going to get another callback. You're not going to get a referral for another business or corporation that might need your services. So, um, Communication is something that I've had to become very good at, or at least I think I'm decent at it. Um, and I think that that's really helped me in, you know, doing one takes over on YouTube where we don't have any edits in the entire video because um, I forgot if it was Edgar Allan Poe or uh, Mark Twain or something, but um, Mark Twain, is that a fictional character? No, no, I'm thinking of Tom Huck. Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry I'm confused. Finn. See, I'm not a literary person. I'm a marketing person. Um, but there's a quote out there that if you don't tell a lie, you don't have to remember anything. And that's stuck with me for like a decade now. So when people ask me about marketing aspects and structures and strategies and tactics, and I can do it all in one take in 15 or 20 minutes on YouTube, A, it saves us a ton of time with editing, but B, it's my truth. It's no different than if we were sitting down having coffee and you asked me my opinion on something, I wouldn't have to have a bunch of jump cuts in between my answer to you. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that I've really, um, tried to hone as far as a craft or, or as, as a skill set over on YouTube, which uh, if you guys have ever seen my YouTube content, thank you. A, uh -huh. and then, you know, I try to make, try to make a very concise point or perspective and, and just bring value really. I love that. It was Mark Twain, by the way. I love okay. that. I, that I was love a that. real person. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Twain. Shout out it, to Mark Twain. <laughs> it's funny. Jeff Walker said something about like, it was very similar. He was like, if you don't pretend to be perfect, you don't have to be. And when I That's heard great. that, when I heard that, I had this like aha moment of like, oh, the reason I'm stressed out about showing up live or doing this or doing that is because I think I need to put this like this image of my, you know, I need to portray this. And if I'm doing that, I'm not being authentic, like just effing show up. And like the best like conversations Absolutely. I ever have where like I'm in flow and I'm not foot in my mouth is when I'm just speaking my truth, you know? So yeah, yeah done is better than perfect 99% of the time. Hell to the yes. Hell to the yeah. yes. So one of my favorite things about you is your no bullshit approach to the work that goes into treating your artist career like yeah. a business. And I think a lot of people, they look for shortcuts for some reason. And I love that you lay that smack down to anyone who's doing that and being lazy. Why do you think artists seek shortcuts and avoid just the do the work mentality? I think artists, music creators in general, the creatives in general, doesn't matter if you're making music or if you're doing a YouTube, you know, building a YouTube channel, if you're a traditional art, artist, sculptor, we have this ego, we have this creative spark that's within us that we just want to show the world what we're capable of, right? But we feel like, you know, college, day jobs, business owners, they just don't understand, it, right? They don't like, 
I can make something that's going to be so cool and so awesome and so amazingly perfect that everybody's going to care. Everybody's just going to lay down and, and clear the path for us to show the rest of the world. But it doesn't work like that, right? Just, it's just like having a baby. How many people say, hey, you want to see pictures of my kids? Hey, this and that. They're like, oh, that's a, that's a really cute baby. And meanwhile, they're like fucking ugly baby, right? And it's like, but when it's your own, you care about it. You cherish it a little bit more. And so when we're building these things, we try to, we try to avoid the work. We try to avoid overwhelm. We try to avoid all the triggers that high school gave us, college might have given us, those who have gone to college, day jobs. Uh, uh, you know, um, obligations in, in the family structure and we try to just have fun. And I'm not saying that everybody's avoiding every aspect, but when you don't organize, you're bound to fail. You know, I, I say this all the time, but there's a million people that, I mean, literally more than that, that have lawnmowers in their garage right now. They might have a weed whacker, they might have weed killer, um, but there's very few out of those people that actually own successful lawn care businesses. Same tools, different it's like the same tools. It's the different, a different approach, a different implementation of, of those tools. So um, I really do think that when people are looking at this, they're looking at it all wrong. They're looking at, Hey, I have this product. Everybody should uh, care. Everybody should understand where I'm going. I should be in the, in the, you know, household name or whatever they call it, be, become a household name, but they don't actually go out there and put in the footwork to build the systems to bring traffic in, to explain to people what their value proposition would be. Like, what do they have to offer the world that the next guy doesn't? So they, they look at it in a very shallow sense. They see the people on TV, don't ask how they got there. They see the people with the blue check mark, don't ask how they got there. They see the people winning Grammy Awards, don't ask how they got there. So if you, you tell a kid that's 14, how does somebody get into the NFL as a quarterback, oh, they'd be in the gym all the time. Oh, they'd probably be practicing year round. They'd be networking with coaches and having their parents try to get them into the right schools. And they'd be, why does, why do nobody, you know, why, why do nobody, I'm horrible today. Why, <laughs> why do music creatives not do the same thing? Because it's, it's, it's an enigma. It's, it's, it's something that there's no structure, uh, you know, up front, there's no structure to actually following a path to get there though there is but right. people don't like the people don't like when music starts feeling like a job one thing i firmly believe in is that obligation leads to resentment and so mm -hmm. when people look at music as an obligation rather than a privilege that's when they become privileged and get entitled and that's the that's the thing that kills so many music careers before they even start absolutely what popped into my mind as you're saying that was that kind of it's not a meme it's just a a, a quote card or a graphic that it has the icebergs, you know, and you see like oh, it, goes, it goes for miles underneath the ocean, but you just see this tip of the iceberg and you just really have no idea all the work it takes to get there. And it's like, you know, you also, you know, obviously I think a lot of people are keen to like modeling the greats, like Tony Robbins says to model nah. other success. And they think nah. they can look at an nah. artist and go, well, Justin Bieber did this. I'll just do that. And it's like, nah, Justin Bieber already did the ice work work. He started when he was 10. Like you're, you can't do what he's doing now. You're not there. You have to start where he started, right? Right. It's incredible <laughs> to me every time I do a video on YouTube about social media, the importance, how to gain attention and stuff. And then there'll be one dipshit in the comments. Drake doesn't use yeah. <laughs> Instagram like that. You know, 
or, or it's even worse. Like this is, this is a true story. Hand to God. I forgot if it was Aerosmith or like Led Zeppelin, they didn't have social media. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right. Are you kidding? Take your electric guitar into the bathtub with you tonight <laughs> when you not literally, I'm not that guy, but you know, in the moment I go a little dark with my thoughts, but you know, people have to realize that the, the needle to be able to go forward, it's an ever moving target. What worked in 2015, what worked in 20, uh, 2000 in Y2K is there, there's fundamentals that will always work. But the actual path that we're going down, if you want the fastest path, you have to keep up with the fastest changes. Hey, hey, I just wanted to take a quick second to tell you about a very special event that we have coming up. If you're still on the fence about learning how to produce your music, or heck, if you've been trying to produce your music, but you're still hitting a wall, I want to invite you to join us for a three-day live challenge called The Songwriter's Guide to Producing This Simple Way. The challenge starts November 9th, and I'm going to be going live for three days straight, every day at 4 p.m. PT, teaching you everything from the mindset of a pro producer, to how to build your first home studio, to how to produce your first song, and I'm even going to show you how you can earn a little extra cash recording the skill you're already good at. So if you're a good singer, a songwriter, or an instrumentalist, you can make money by simply learning how to record even before you go pro as a producer. I think we can all agree working from home is no longer a luxury, it's a necessity. So if you're ready to learn how to produce your own music, just head over to www.producelikeaboss.com slash the number three day challenge. I'll drop a link in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. You know, another thing that um, that you actually talk on a lot and it really resonates with me is that, you know, artists are putting the cart, artists, producers, they're all putting the cart before the horse sometimes, right? Like, oh, I need to, you know, I need a manager when they don't have a business to manage. Oh, yeah. I need Facebook ads when they don't have like a catalog or, you know, um, they haven't built their brand. What other things do you think artists put the court, uh, the cart before the horse on and why? I think it's all a facade. Um, when it comes to their development on social media, on YouTube, on numbers, on stacks of money. And I, I don't blame them, right? They want to emulate, they want to model the people that they look up to. And so I'm not even like, I don't for a second want to try to make anybody feel bad for that. We mimic what we see as our interpretation of success. I know that when I first bought my first fancy car ever, I was like, oh, people think I'm successful. In the back of my mind, I thought that I love cars. I've had like 80 something cars in my life. But as soon as you're in the car, like, I used to flip cars back in high school because part-time jobs don't really pay that much. Um, but, you know, when you buy a fancy cars and doors go up or it has a big engine, it sounds amazing. It's like, you got to really understand who you are and not chase what you want other people to think you are. Um, and so I think that when artists, producers, they try to jump steps ahead. Think of it this way. If you and I go to the gym and we're trying to bench press, right? We're trying to work on our fitness or do pull-ups. Pull-ups are a different story. We'll, we'll work on bench. And we, we load up the bench with 400 pounds. Just because we can do 95 pounds doesn't mean we can jump up to 400. So why would someone think because they have three songs released that they should start acting like a big deal? Mm -hmm. They should start acting like they have all this all these credentials and all these awards and all this admiration. It's like, hold on, slow your roll a little bit. Obviously we want to portray the best version of our true self. Um, we want to, you know, be a larger than life brand that grows and, and whatnot. But again, I think it's because a lot of people in life don't believe in you. 
a lot of people's parents, a lot of people's teachers, a lot of people's uh, coworkers do not believe in them. So what do they want to do? They want to prove them wrong as fast as possible. What does that look like? Jewelry looks like cars, looks mm-hmm. like stacks of cash, looks like uh, music videos that look like the, the next, you know, empty, you know, not MTV. I'm showing my age now, but <laughs> looks like the next music video that's trending on YouTube. Yeah. And so we don't, you know, one of my favorite things I've ever kind of accidentally said in one of my YouTube videos is use what you have until what you have pays for what you want. Mm. Something to live by and something that people don't do. You know, I talk to students on a regular basis who have spent five to $10,000 on a, on a music video when they had literally 310 followers because they think it's going to go viral because of the quality. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. The emotional triggers are what's going to make you go viral. That's why the majority of the stuff that you see go viral organically is shot on a shaky iPhone. It's shot uh, unintentional. The lighting's not perfect. The reactions are real and the emotions are real as well. So we have to understand that growing a music career, growing a YouTube career, growing a small business like a t-shirt shop, for example, it's going to take a lot of enthusiasm with the couple customers that you have until those couple customers grow, grow, grow to where you have the same enthusiasm when you have 20,000 customers as you did when you had 12. And a lot of people say, ah, that's only 12 people. I don't give a shit. Who the fuck are you? Feel free to bleep that out. No. To tr- we're keeping to tr- it all. We're to- keeping all the f bombs okay. at them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, in that case, <laughs> now, um, who the fuck are you to treat those twelve people like they're not important? When magically you're going to treat twenty thousand people like they are? Get get the fuck out of here. That doesn't work like that. You have to be appreciative. Try to stay humble. Really try to stop overthinking and just keep putting out. What, what's important to you, whether that be publishing social media stuff or songs or, or whatnot. Uh, if you have a message with inside you, you need to get it out to the world. How do you do that? Well, you need attention for people to really perk up their ears. So you got to be genuine. You got to understand the marketing psychology of getting people to talk about it um, without separating that message from who you really are, because we've all seen it when people try to become a character, to become a shock jock of some sort. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, either they lose themselves or they get completely burnt out, excuse me, from doing that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's funny, you're talking about like people that over invest in the wrong things. You know, that's such a good example of putting the cart before the horse. It's like, you know, it's not to say that you can't do high quality like productions on your music videos, but it's like when you have like a smaller following and you're still trying to build, first of all, it's like counterproductive because, you know, the viral videos are showing that it's more organic, emotional things that are going viral anyways. Yeah. You know, and number two, it's like, wouldn't that other like, just think of how you could, uh, where you could put that money <laughs> outside of putting it all into that video, like, you know, that could actually go into building your brand and marketing, which um, actually brings me into uh, my next question, which is like, how would you define the difference between branding and marketing? Because I think there's, that's a big gray area for a lot of artists. Yeah, so I think the difference between branding and marketing is branding is the foundation. Marketing is pitching whatever you built on that foundation. Mm. So branding would be what you're left with in between singles, what you're left with in between social posts or videos for for that matter. You look at an artist like Taylor Swift, who started as a a relatively innocent, um, you know, very young country star. She got to a point where that character, whether it be very genuine or whether it just be an evolution of who she truly was, didn't 
really fit her narrative anymore. And she said, Hey, I want to go into pop. I want to be myself. I want to grow into my, my adult persona. Um, and she changed over to pop. She got very provocative with some of the subject matter and a little of the social media drama within the, you know, um, entertainment industry side of things. But then I think she's finding that the purity within her fan base is still in country. So now she's doing both very well, but none of that would have happened without a strong brand. We've seen it time and time again, where somebody switches genres and they don't follow along. The, the audience just stops as if the doors were closed. They're like, no, nope, we don't want that. You got a guy like Machine Gun Kelly, who was kind of like a trap hardcore rapper for so many years. And now he's doing like, you know, punk emo-esque type stuff relatively successfully, mind you. Um, and that's because of the power of the brand. The marketing side of things is once you have this brand, I'm confident in this. I have this to offer. And this is who I have to offer it to. Now, the marketing is how you get it there. The marketing is the vehicle, but you can't steer a car that doesn't have any wheels. So you need to make sure that the car is all together and, and smoothly running before you can drive it to the fans. I think that's another way that people get ahead of themselves is they do two Instagram posts and then they start paying for Instagram ads or Facebook ads. It's like you're bringing people back to uh, a store with nothing on the shelves. Like you need to build the brand. So I think branding is a way to, for those that are listening or watching this, branding is a way to um, provide an audience of strangers and fans alike with important aspects of you. What's your messaging? What's your North Star, kind of your mission statement? What is important to you that they should care about in an emotional type way? You know, um, I stopped pretending to be someone I wasn't on YouTube a very long time ago when I used to wear fitted caps and I would talk a certain sort of way. It wasn't that I wasn't being me. It was that I was trying to be who I needed to be. And who I needed to be was just me and you know, screwing up on what I'm saying or, you know, burping during the the middle of a video, which I, I now say hashtag video indigestion, because you have to lean into it. Um, things that we really take for granted are our flaws and character traits that we're very self-conscious about. But those are the same things that make us uniquely us that other people can't mimic other people can't um, truly be authentic with. And, and the things that a lot of times you're most judgmental on your own self about are what's going to actually make you most successful, whether, whether it be uh, your hair or maybe you had acne or maybe your teeth aren't perfect or maybe whatever. I'm just, I'm coming up with some stuff that, that I used to deal with because I, I had bad acne in high school. I've had braces twice. Um, it's a little things that are within you. You know, you gotta, you gotta understand that people want human people want to see the cracks once in a while. So don't think that you have to be absolutely perfect. Don't think that, you know, all of the, the brand has to be locked in. You have to have a sweet logo. Like a logo doesn't fucking matter. Like 90% of the time, unless you're Nike or Puma or Apple or something, right? It's who are you? Why people should care. Cause when you're selling beads, million other people sell beads, right? You're not that special. People buy from people. You hear B2B, you hear B2C, you know, business to business, business to consumer. It's all P2P. It's all people to people, person to person. Um, so I think that the, the personality within the brand builds trust, gets people to understand you a little bit better or feel like they know you. If you do a good job, they'll, they'll know you a little bit better than most. 
um, without having to give them all your personal information about what you go through behind the scenes. So I think that's important to build a brand is to build a vessel that's going to get you to retirement, get you to your last breath while feeling good about it and being able to, to build a movement, build a community, build a business, whatever that looks like to you with the marketing. If I have a phone, I can, I can market this phone. I got some text messages. Give me one. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I can market this phone to an audience that needs this phone, but the brand is why people buy this brand of phone, right? The, the interface, the message behind it, the, user experience. Experience is something that people overlook. So anyway, marketing and branding, one leads to the other. You can't really market nothing, right? Yeah. Unless you find out, then you can do that a little bit. (laughs) You know what this reminds me of? It's funny because I see a lot of artists, they um, they either do things like whether it's a beat maker, whether it's an artist, it doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. Look at me. I have this new thing and they want people to care without giving them a why or their why, right? So it's like, you know, I see new music. I scroll past it all the time because it's either right. like some, you know, like check out this new beat, you know, and they're just taking it, a screenshot of their 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 desktop. Or yeah. it's like, hey, I wrote the song and I just released it, you know, pre-save. And it's like, don't care, don't care. But you know what I do stop for is the girl who's like, hey, my name is so-and-so. Here's a little bit about me. So here's a song that I actually, you know, produced myself or I did the vocals here and they tell a little backstory about it and they, they hook you within the first several seconds, you know, and they also lead with value of like why you should care. Right. Stories, stories. stories sell. Right. Without and, uh, stories, marketing is nothing. Right. And I think that's missing from a lot of people. They just want to put things out there and think that that's marketing. Like, I'm just going to post that I have a new song and like, why aren't people commenting on this? And it's like, where's your story? I think I think a lot of music now in general is um, people are overlooking the interpersonal skills that it takes to sell, market yourself, build relationships with people. Mm-hmm. They literally make music as if it's a video game. They sit in front of a screen. They crack the code with sequencing. They make something that sounds like what they heard on the radio or some iter- iteration of, of something that they like. Um, and they totally look over the fact of like, yo, I still have to connect with people. A product in itself doesn't sell. You have to tell a story. Uh, and I'm not saying like every beat that you have to upload is like, okay, this beat, I was on a bus, 2 a.m. I saw this guy, he had a knife. And I thought to myself, trap beat. Like you don't have to do that. <laughs> but I'll guarantee if I were to write a post like that right now with a trap beat, I'm going to get more people to stop yeah. than just showing a screenshot on my phone or a cover art with the baby on it saying new beat, check it out. Like people don't care. I've never become a raving fan of anybody because I saw a fucking Facebook ad telling me about a new Spotify drop. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's funny because even if it's not like on that, like beat, even if in between your releases, you're just like, Hey, like, here's what I'm into right now. Here's a personal post. Here's something I'm going through. Here's something I just learned or, you know, just showing up. Hey, here's a picture of me and my family and not just like music, 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 sell, sell, sell. Then someone's more likely to care when you, when you post as well. I think one of the struggles, and this isn't really anything to do with marketing or branding. It's just like personality types. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that don't have a drop of personality. They're very bland. They're very quiet or they're loud and just like awkward. And that's cool. But music is an outlet for them. And these are some of the most, most uh, inner tormented people out there, which I, I try to give them some clarity and perspective in some of the YouTube content, as I'm sure you do as well. 
If you don't have a personality, it's real hard to start a conversation. If you don't have a personality, it's real hard to tell a story. If you don't have a personality, if you're not charismatic, if you're not what the world considers somewhat attractive, you can get in your head really, really fast. And what do you do when you're getting in your head and music is your outlet, but you don't know how to get the music to the people to actually take the outlet and share it? You have to learn new skills. You have to step outside of the comfort zone. You have to understand I'm connecting with people. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm very uncomfortable. I'm awkward anxiety. But this is the part that's going to separate me from the people that aren't going to take these steps. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not freaking easy. Everybody's gone to school with or gone on an awkward date with somebody that they did not connect with, even if they are charismatic. Because the quiet types, a lot of times, don't like somebody that's too boisterous, too outgoing, right? It's like, oh, this is weird. Oh, this is really uncomfortable. We have to understand interpersonal skills. And I think that's why a lot of a lot of the beat makers that I've had the most success with have had retail jobs, have had call center jobs. Because mm-hmm. you're understanding these, these communications, whether it's talking about my music, whether it's talking about somebody who's laid on a bill, talking about somebody who's coming in for a new cell phone because their kid just turned 14 and they promised them they'll give them a cell phone, like conversation and listening and understanding what people want is what fuels stories, is what under, uh, you know, uh, not understand, but understanding how to tell those stories, understanding how to connect with somebody on a human level where it's not just about you, it's about what need am I providing a solution for? Oh, Adam, well, I make beats, I make songs. Nobody needs that. Well, I don't know if you've ever ever had a stressful day or you're at the gym and you need some banging ass shit to fucking get you hyped up when you're tired. That's a need. And I'll go find the song that gives me the fucking solution. Mm. So if you have a sad song, there's somebody that needs to cry today that can't do it without that. If you have a super stoked freaking summer jam, there's a party out there with 16 people standing in front of a green ass pool that need that song to enjoy themselves in the, in the mix of things. So that's where the confidence comes into play. I'm not the shit. I'm not, I'm not everything to everyone, but what I have in this product is going to be a pill that solves someone's or, uh, solve someone's problem. So we have to kind of look at that and then you got to reverse engineer the story behind it. It doesn't have to be an origin story of every beat or every song, but it has to kind of paint a picture so that people can tie it in. Why do you think that in the summertime you see Johnsonville brats or uh, Kraft mac and cheese and they're painting a fo- they're painting a vivid picture of barbecues? Why do you think that the, the, the American Cornhole Championships or whatever it's called, it's they play it on ESPN, like ESPN 5. They play these Cornhole Championships. Who sponsors the Cornhole League? Johnsonville Brats. Because where are they playing cornhole? Barbecues. Right. Cause and effect. Reverse engineer it. That's why you know all these people are wearing these like jerseys with johnsonville on them well that doesn't make sense it makes perfect sense so where do you fit in find a way to get in right absolutely and and i love i love how you just brought it back around to communication communication is such a valuable skill And, and and for anybody that's like oh you know that's not me i'm not like you know i'm not outgoing or like you know i can't do like this thing and it's like well first of all you're just saying that because you haven't done it before and i think that right and like you have to get uncomfortable like music 
I hate to say this because it, it hurts a little bit, but here we go. You're never going to be able to just make music and be successful. Right. There, I said it. So if you've been thinking that your talent is going to get you to some kind of finish line outside of, you know, your friends and your family being your number one fans, then no. I mean, like, you know, and and I think the value of skill stacking. Have you ever read the book How to Be Good at Almost Everything by Pat Flynn? I need to, but no, I've, I have not. Shout out to Plat, uh, Plat Pat, Finn. Plat Finn. <laughs> Pat Flynn. That, well, that, that's like his arch nemesis, Plat Finn. <laughs> no, uh, shout out to Pat Flynn. Like he, he and I have had some great Twitter conversations years ago. Oh, cool. um, very uh, helpful early on with some of the tech stuff when I didn't know how to build you know, email sequences or, or, or even um, not so much email, but the communication stuff with the course. Yeah. I mean, he basically yeah. just says like, you know, everyone's so focused on, um, you know, I got, it's like the one thing I got to become the best guitar player in the world. Well, now you're playing like Yngwie Mops, you know, Monstein or whatever his, what's his Yngwie. Anyways, you're playing like all this complicated stuff that doesn't actually appeal to the masses, right? But you're the, you're the yeah. top expert. It's like, or you could just become a really great player and then also learn the skills of like, marketing and like, you know, communication and sales and, and all these other things. And it's actually more valuable to be a generalist than to be like the best at any one thing. And that's yeah. what just that reminded me of. It's like, you know, yes, be like, ba make bangers, be a badass producer or beat maker, but don't think that's going to get you far. Like I would say oh, it's right. almost like get that to like 85 or 90% and then turn around and go, what else do I need to build in my tool shed of skills? Because I'm running a business here. And that other thing is communication, right? Yeah, it has to be because you need, you need that thing in place. I mean, a lot of people think that, Hey, I need a team. I need a manager. I need for what, right. for what, if you can't sit down with a notebook and write down all the different tasks that are going to build the business, that are going to drive the traffic, that are going to generate the revenue, that are going to have the systems in place to then grow it and scale. What are you assigning to people? Right. You think a manager is going to work for free? Any manager that's worth a shit? No. Right. If if you go to a really good manager, you're like, I'm going to be the best. They're going to say, okay, what's your what's, what's your monthly revenue looking like? How many shows are you doing? What are your Spotify streams? They're trying to determine what their 10 to 20% is going to look like. Right. Would you babysit somebody full time for free? Right. I wouldn't. However, don't get me wrong. The way my brain works is I overthink everything I say. So there are some managers out there historically who babysit somebody for free for a long time. They end up blowing up and getting huge and then they get paid. But typically those are the managers that get dumped because the artist doesn't actually appreciate what they've done. They go get enchanted by a guy like Scooter Braun, dump their original manager, and then he's high and dry because guess what? He doesn't have the name. So that's a whole different side of some uh, side of the, the, the industry. But um, you have to prove to yourself that you know how to build, build it out. You have to understand how to do the vast majority of everything within your music-based brand and business. Because then when you hire, you can audit. When you hire an agency, when you hire an assistant, when you hire people to help you, you could say, okay, what are you doing? Like, okay, this is my standard operating procedure and how I respond to emails or how I do this or how I usually promote and, and how I connect with my audience, then they can help you rather than just trying to guess. It's like going into a barber and saying like, Hey, give me the freshest haircut. You know how to do. Oh, uh, okay. Well, like, what do you typically like your hair? Just do it. And right. then they do it. And you're like, what? The, I didn't want a mohawk. You're like, wait, well, this is like super fresh. No, hell no. It's this whack. Like you did. You gave me no direction. 
You have to be able to give specific, and it, it ties back to the communication thing. You have to know exactly what you want, what you need in so many different ways to actually properly assign. But that's the thing. People want a manager so they don't have to worry about the work. People want to hire assistant or build a team. Yeah, I'm building my team. Oh, a bunch of like friends you went to high school with that you're not paying anything. You're just, they're just magically going to care about your stuff as much as you do. That's a road to disappointment if I've ever heard one. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, this is what we deal with. This is, this is why the music industry or becoming an actor or doing, you know, modeling and things like that. There's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of people hear the terms when they're listening to hot 106 or, you know, hot 97 interviews or whatever. And they're like, Oh, they said their team. Okay. I need a team. They said they're, you know, what I need that. It's like, why, why do they need a team? Right. You gotta, you gotta ask more questions, more follow-up questions. So Right. I always say, you know, musicians are the only entrepreneurs that don't know they're in business. It was like, could you imagine uh, if anybody else went to like, start a business, right? Like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to, you know, I want to sell, you know, I want like a restaurant. So I'm just going to like start making sandwiches and go stand out on the corner and start selling them. And like that, that's not how you would do that. But like, that's kind of what people are doing with music and they want to monetize it, but they're not thinking about the order of steps, you know? And like, like you said, it goes back to like putting the cart before the horse, right? Like, oh, I need a team. It's like, no, you need to know how to do all these things first so that you can properly manage all those positions you're delegating to. Cause otherwise you're just like, you know, getting the Mohawk, <laughs> just do whatever, you know, and it doesn't really work that way. No, I mean, and this is, uh, uh, again, this could be an hour long conversation just mm -hmm. about this, but it's like, when an artist comes to me and is like, I want to make full-time income with my music. I'm like, okay, where, you know, where are you generating revenue now? What does that look like? And then they're like, you know, the thing that's most effed up is that Spotify doesn't pay us enough. And I'm like, are you telling me that Spotify should be your like number one revenue generator with your music? Cause like, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, it's like going into a restaurant and saying, yeah, those extra cups of ranch that are 50 cents, like those are going to generate the most income for you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, that's like, that's just like supplemental income within the streams of revenue. Right. Anyway, like that, you, people, you have to dissect. That goes with being yeah. stuck in the old model, I think, where like, it's like, you know, oh, like, you know, if somebody sold like a million copies of something back in the day, that used to mean, you know, great monetary success was coming with that. And it's just yeah. pivoted. I don't think it's that there isn't like money. It's just that the money has moved and everyone's still so focused on this old model. And, you know, like you said, like streaming is the side of ranch sauce. Like that should not be the like way that you're trying to make your living. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that a lot of people are just intimidated by things they've never ventured into. So mm -hmm. what's easy uploading a song, uploading cover art, distributing it to all these different platforms and then getting paid no different than uploading a video to YouTube, waiting to hit a thousand subscribers and however many hours partnering, getting AdSense revenue. That's not a business in itself. That's a revenue generation stream. You're not going to let, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's people that are making 10,000, a hundred thousand a month off AdSense on YouTube, for example. But like, if you, if you have any business sense or common sense, you are going to make five, 10 X outside of that income, whether it's merch, whether it's strategic partnerships and sponsorships, like is this a business? It is a, it is a business. Anyway. How um, many streams of income do you think that an artist should aim towards having when they're trying to uh, go full-time? Start, start with one or two. 
and get really good at those and then understand what it takes to scale those and then have enough confidence to add one or two at a time. Don't try to be this hashtag serial entrepreneur and like (laughs) you're, you're trying to do too much. I see artists all the time that are sending people to merch shops. They've never invested in $20 into seeing what their own t-shirt looks like or feels like, or what the sizing is like. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment because they'll go and I'm not naming any names as far as a print on demand company. Cause there's a lot of great ones out there, but there's a whole lot of really bad ones. So somebody will pay, they'll, they'll mark their own t-shirts at $30 a piece. They'll get, you know, five or 10 people to buy them. And then they'll never have another customer for anything else because the shirts are absolute garbage. After two washes, they're three size, three sizes smaller and the print is all flaking off. Uh, they didn't do their due diligence. They ran. And when you run in the dark, you're bound to either fall off a cliff, run into a wall and hurt yourself severely and, or, or just go in the wrong direction for a very, very long time. And so I think that getting a couple that you're very comfortable with within your own skill set. Uh, getting those to become kind of uh, habitual within what you're doing and then expanding is the best thing to do. Too many producers are trying to sell their beats and then they see somebody selling uh, MIDI packs or sound kits or drum packs or whatever. And then all of a sudden they want to do all that. And then guess what? They go from uploading eight new beats a month to their website of choice or their own homepage to one a month and then trying to push a bunch of kits that are, assembled from other people's kits or just generic because they like you need to put in the time nobody is amazing at everything like you were saying nobody's amazing at everything you could be pretty dang good i mean if you're the rock you're pretty dang good at almost everything you do but that comes from the years and years of crawling through the shit the years and years of failure so get really really good at a couple things before you're adding and trying to be the next warren buffett or ty lopez or somebody (laughs) You got to nail it before you scale it. That's like, I have That's that. Ri- I got that written on a post-it on my fridge so that you know, <laughs> I, I get shiny ball syndrome. I do. I get shiny yeah. ball syndrome. Yeah. And, you know, I am a, a Jill of all trades and I, and I do like being a generalist, but one other thing, I'm just going to drop Pat again, because it was so awesome when he said it, he's like, generalists are actually short-term specialists. It's not to be like, go do all the things at once. No, absolutely not. It's actually go do that thing until you get really good at it. You don't have to be the best move on to the next thing and your skill stacking. You're not trying to learn like, you know, Chinese, Japanese, and French at the same time. You're going to learn one, get a good, move on to the next, you know? Um, Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about social media. How how can artists and producers use social media to maximize their brands and tie all this in? Have real conversations with people that they're literally sending to you. I mean, I think so many times, we go and we post something and then we're just staring. How many likes am I going to get? How many comments am I going to get? How many new followers am I going to get? And we don't care to engage at all with the people that are following us already. We don't care to be the consumers that we're hoping to find. We're literally, this is why I matter. Does somebody agree? Does somebody agree? (laughs) Oh, you agree. Yeah. Okay. So like five people agreed with me that I matter today. Mm. Instead of sharing a message, interacting, doing what you want done onto you, and then going back to creating. Overconsumption is what squanders people's creation and squanders people's self-worth. So when you're, you're consuming more than you're creating, that's when it's a huge problem. So social media is definitely a drug that it can either, you know, uh, act as, as a, a huge stimulant to your growth or act as a massive depressant 
when it comes to your growth. So we have to use social media as a tool to be social. There's some media involved. <laughs> Put it out to an audience. Don't get hung up on the facade numbers and then keep your, your feet moving. Um, and uh, like I said, it's to tell stories. It's to show, you know, that, that you're, you're doing something. It's to get people a little bit more involved in maybe some behind the scenes stuff, uh, stories about who you are, why they should carry your origin story. Um, and just the real version of you. Obviously, you could promote your stuff, but if all you're doing is promoting your stuff, I can pretty much guarantee that you're not growing unless you're doing paid ads um, because these social media platforms penalize people that are constantly sending people off of the social media platform. Mm. So if every single one of your posts is, hey, new beat, check it out, link in bio, most likely nobody's going to see that. Uh, and I used this example a long time ago. Imagine if I owned a barbershop and you owned a barbershop across the road. And I have a, I'm just, it's packed. It's freaking packed full of people. And you come over and you say, Hey guys, I, I got immediate openings. Anybody that needs a haircut right now, I got five people over there. And all of my people cross the road to go to your shop. You're not going to be my friend. I'm, I'm going to, next time I see you walking over to the shop, I'm going to have one of my friends stop you in the parking lot before you get to the door. That's what Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all these places do. Because if you're saying, hey, check out my new beats. Hey, check out my new song on every post. They're going to say like, oh, okay. So I'm watching the user spend a bunch of time here, spend a bunch of time there. As soon as they land on this individual's account, they're off the platform. It literally ends their session. Hmm. Let's not show their stuff to anybody. Okay, guys, you agree? Okay, next, next person. So... That's where people get frustrated is they'll do these, these beat posts, these new song posts, these new, that's why I tell people do not focus on just promoting your new single, just promoting your new beats. You have to have a, a ramp. We call it a pre-launch strategy. So a pre-launch strategy, day of launch into the post-launch push, as I call it. But in between, you're still building the brand. Because the brand is more important than that one piece of content. You know, it, it, it's social media should be a tool within the toolbox, not the only thing that you're depending on. Right, right. So, yeah. I think a lot of people, a lot of artists get overwhelmed with having to post. They know they should post all the time, right? And they feel like they might not like have enough to share or say, right? Yeah. And I think it kind of comes back to that whole like perfectionism, like maybe they're thinking everything needs to be super perfect. Like what advice would you give to people that struggle with that whole, like um, just, just getting started, like where they're just not doing anything. So I would say if you ever watch any documentaries on actors, musicians over the years, how do they reel you in? How do they suck you into the documentary origin content? It's fuzzy. It's grainy. It's shitty. It's embarrassing for the artists themselves or the actor, actress. That's what we have to put out because nobody's ever going to make a documentary on someone who doesn't have an origin story. If you come out ultra polished because you're a perfectionist, if you come out, every little thing is calculated and detailed and photoshopped and this and that, how are you relatable to anyone? Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking of the imperfections, think about, when you were in high school or elementary school and you might've got a B or a D or an, you failed something. Right. And then you see the next one and the teacher, right. Shows improvement. 
makes you feel good, right? Yeah. It's, it's the progress, just like the gym metaphor I used earlier. If we go in, we're trying to get in shape. We're completely out of shape, right? We, we eat delicious food like Taco Bell and Wendy's, not sponsored. <laughs> and we find ourselves in a position where may, we might get winded going up a few stairs. We might get winded trying to tie our shoes. We might not feel very energetic. We feel a little bit sluggish. Um, and we just want to change what we see in the mirror, we're not going to go from that to hashtag fitness influencer in like two days, two weeks. It's about the, it's about the progress. It's about that story, that transformation. So if you're sitting there right now, I don't know what to post. I don't, you know, I don't want to make a fool of myself. Just move your feet. Just start posting. Just try to start getting an idea for what people are really engaged with. And they'll help you paint that photo. They'll help you paint the picture. If you've ever been inspired by like a fitness transformation, if you've ever been inspired with a documentary, know that today can be your day one on the transformation. Your day one in that documentary that they're going to shoot about you 10 years from now. But you have, to, you have to do something. Otherwise, most likely, unfortunately, you're going to turn into the jaded 40, 50, 60, 70 year old that said, I could have been, mm. I should have, I could have, nobody gives two shits about that person aside from their grandkids that just listen. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. I get $20 for my birthday. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not trying to be an a-hole about it, but it's, it's really, there's, the, there's those that talk about what they're going to do and there's those that do it and they embrace the suck. They know that massive imperfect action is the way to getting better. Because you're not going to hit a home run the first swing of the bat. You're not going to get buff with the first salad that you eat. It takes time. So many music creators start making music and they've been doing it six months, six years, six decades. And yet they get frustrated when they don't understand TikTok. They yeah. don't, you didn't understand music the first day you started. Right. When your fingers felt like you were, they were going to fall off from trying to play a couple chords on the gu guitar or play piano for 20 minutes without feeling like you're getting carpal tunnel. Mm -hmm. It's the same frustrations when I don't know, I bought a really expensive mic. I don't understand why my voice doesn't sound good because you don't know how to sing. Anyway, <laughs> I can get into a ton of different examples of like why that might sound bad in, in that meta or that, that the example. But the fun thing is, is if you stick with it and you're like, Oh, I know exactly why I bought a $5,000 mic and it sounded like crap because I was recording into an $80 interface with all mm -hmm. stock plugins. And I didn't understand room treatment. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand voice control, breath control. Didn't understand any of it. Yeah. I was yelling the hook into the mic the exact same way as I was whispering the intro. And I don't have a compressor. I don't have a preamp. I don't have any of that. Yeah. And so those are the things that you learn and understand as we progress. Same way as when you build on social media. Same way as when you get into email marketing photography, even your own image. If somebody tells me to smile right now, I used to look in the fucking mirror for hours and just practice my smile because I hated how I looked in photos. Therefore, anytime you see me smile, anytime you see a thumbnail, any, I know that I know my looks for YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I know exactly what I look like without, I don't have any monitor behind the camera right now. Like I know what I look like because it's practiced and practice turns it authentic. Now when I'm smiling at photos, it's not a fake smile. It's not a posed smile. It's just, 
This is how I smile. I know what I look like when I smile with no teeth. Smirk. I know what that looks like too. I've been doing it for years. So you got to do the same thing when it comes to your own social media, when it comes to your own growth and development. Find the things that you're self-conscious about, either lean into them or work out of them. But working out of them doesn't mean waiting until you're ready because there's no such thing as being ready. You have to take action. They, they say, uh, what is it? Ready, fire, aim is the mm -hmm. only way that you actually get anywhere in business. Yeah, It's what it, what it has to do. You have to be ready. You fire. You figure out the aim and shit later. <laughs> I love that. First of all, I have to say, you just dropped so many bombs like right there. It was like, pew, pew, pew. my brain is literally just exploding with, with joy. <laughs> but there's one aha that I, I really took away that I just want to kind of reiterate and share, which is, you know, obviously when we're learning any new skills, like there is the suck factor. There is the beginning where, you know, it's like, oh, even learning how to produce for me. I remember like, I can't figure out, I can't hear myself from my fucking mic or my guitar. It's like the stupidest things, right? But like there was, you know, obviously the reward through going all that shit was like, oh, then you get better at it. But here's the beauty about social media is if you can be okay with just sharing your journey, it's actually, it's, it's very humbling, but it's also like you can be rewarded for the suck factor. Cause people are like, oh my God, I'm just so happy to see you grow and be a part yeah. of your journey. And it's like, I can't even think of anywhere else that applies. So it's like, that's all the more reason to show up on social media because you get to be the before picture. It's like, there's something so impactful about when you see a weight loss thing. And it's like, you see the before and the after it's like, they're not going to care about the after as much if they don't see the before there's a literally massive benefit to showing up imperfectly. Like that for me was like, pew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like once in a while, I'll share an old super cringe worthy photo yeah. of myself <laughs> that I thought when I, when I thought I was cool, when I thought I was a rapper, when I thought, uh, you know, whatever, what have you. And the thing is so many people that I talk to on a regular basis, if I asked them, Hey, should I share this photo? Either they'd say, yeah, as a, as a joke, or they'd say, no, burn that wherever you found it. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And so that's what people are scared of. They're scared of looking like a human. They're scared of looking like a regular person, but even Clark Kent became Superman, you know, when, when he needed to be yeah. not all the time, he didn't just come around and I'm not the hugest comic book nerd at all. My guy Chico definitely is. He knows all the backstories. This guy's like a plethora of comic book knowledge. But when it comes to Clark Kent, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, uh, or, you know, Clark Kent, Peter Parker, Tony Stark, they're not that person 24 hours a day, nor do you have to be. People need to see both characters. Yeah. That's why even uh, Hulk, any comic book character, now that I'm thinking about it, that has like in the Marvel Universe... It's like two versions. Yeah. Essentially. There's a human version and a super version. You can be human and people are just as interested because they love seeing when you turn into the super you. Yeah. That sounded really cheesy, but anyway. Oh, I love it. And like, can I just say, yeah. you have the, you do the best like TV, like uh, throwback Thursday. Like when you, when you post those old <laughs> pictures, like that's one of the things I just belly up. I'm like, I love that you're sharing yeah. this. And you know, I, I, I think it's so inspiring too. Like for me, I get inspired when I see that because it's like, wow, look at all that growth you know, this is something where it's like, man, it just brings you to a different level where you're like kind of meeting some people maybe where they're at or maybe where they yeah. weren't that long ago. And like, they can look up to where they can be going. And I just, I just love it. You just leave with so much value, Adam. And that's, some of these Thank things, y'all, like, so you, you got to check out Adam's channel. It's so much value. But when he says he shares a cringe worthy, like old thing, like he's not messing around, like he'll put something up and I'm like, I love this man. Like, you know, so thank you. Yeah, no, I, I think that, um, 
if you step out further than most will, you'll get rewarded for it, even if you don't understand it at first. So Mm. there's comfort zones for all of us. And as we continue to move forward, the comfort zone expands. And you have to keep pushing past that because with the growth of a business in the music space comes a whole lot of different questions that you're going to have have to have answers for eventually. Um, there's business structures and delegations and taxes and things that you never even thought of when you were worried about that pimple you were trying to Photoshop from that one photo that you posted on Instagram that people saw for six hours. Right. And then you actually have real problems that you have to you know, solve. So, um, people just need to take themselves a little less seriously and understand that the problems that they're stressed out about most today are usually some first world problems that are all self-imposed. We have these pressures on our shoulders that we put on our shoulders. Got to post five times a day. I got to do the Gary Vee thing where I post 82 posts before lunchtime. <laughs> Who's telling you to do that? Like yeah. you, you can ease into that. You don't have to do that every day. Yeah. Well, I watched this one guy and it, like, Oh, okay. Do you like, you're not there yet to just fucking calm down. So I think that people need to have uh, Andy Frisella recently in one of his podcasts said aggressive patience, which I absolutely love. Mm. You have to have aggressive patience. I love that. Aggressive yeah. patience. You have to have aggressive patience. Shout out to Andy Frisella. Uh, great podcast. I check it out when I can. Um, Dude is like a no bullshit kind of guy. So I really resonate with, with his message, <laughs> not music related, just kind of uh life direction and, and some, some uh, perspective. I love it. I love it. And I, and I, I love your no bullshit attitude, man. Like you guys got to check out Adam Ivy's YouTube channel and okay. So Adam, thank you so yeah. much for taking the time to sit down and have this conversation with me today. I know my audience is just going to get so much out of this and I want to make sure that they know exactly where they can find you, um, including your courses, including your socials. So where can people find you? Um, easiest way to find my YouTube channels, go to musicmarketing.com. Uh, it takes you right to the YouTube channel. Um, Adam Ivy on all social platforms, A D A M I V Y super easy. Um, I, would love to just have real conversations with the people that are watching this or listening. Um, I don't have any crazy discount codes or programs to even really pitch you. I, I'd really love for you to get immersed in my free stuff. Um, if you already have immersed yourself into the free stuff, I do offer a one-on-one -on -one coaching program to those who are serious about really taking their music-based brand and business to the next level over at adamivymentorship.com. It's a quick little application. It's free to do. We don't try to sell you anything. Just looking for people that genuinely are ready for that type of help. Um, and aside from that, guys, you know, if you're a music producer or a beat maker, want to sell your beats online, I do, uh, I do own a platform called thecharts.com, thecharts.com. One more time, if you want to sell your beats online for free. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I'm looking for genuine conversations and just community growth. So between your audience and my audience, I'm sure that there's a couple gems that some people will be able to get out of this, which I'm really excited about. Um, wish I get it. Wish I had more to sell you really honestly, but <laughs> you know, just looking to, to connect with people and um, Adam Ivy on Instagram, Adam Ivy very occasionally on Twitter, but musicmarketing.com or youtube.com slash Adam Ivy. That's all you find me. <laughs> Leave a smart and witty comment in the YouTube comments or over on Instagram. I get a kick out of those and always feel free to shoot a DM or an email. Um, 
and I get back to the vast majority of those. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show today, Adam. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. I certainly get a lot of value every time I get a chance to talk with Adam Ivey. That man is one smart cookie. Okay, as usual, I'm going to take us out with one of my songs. This is actually an oldie, but goodie, and it's called Road Trippin'. I wrote this one a few years back with some friends of mine. They're sisters from another mister. They go by the name Dazi. Hope you enjoy. Thank you.